Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 73. Today we're talking ESL1 Cologne 2019. Coldzera benches himself on MIBR. Cloud9 announced their new roster and a bunch of other roster news and some thoughts on social media. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Coldzera. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? Well, I'm back. I'm back in Australia. I think I was back in Australia last episode, but I'm back, back. I've been playing CSGO, I've been DMing, I've been matchmaking, I've been queuing. I've been surfing, I haven't been surfing, I can't surf. I'm uh, very unskilled. Actually, I am, I think I'm Gold Nova 2, which is uh, slightly uh, a bit of a blow to my ego. <laughs> it has been more than six months, I think eight months now since I played. Weird to think this podcast once was uh, all about Counter-Strike from a player's perspective. But anyway, there you go. Now, some of the news in this podcast before we get into ESL1 Cologne is that we now have three news editors of sorts. Uh, long-time listener Gaby G is, of course, basically head of the newsroom at this point. We have Liam and we also have Glyn. And one of the cool things, too, listener Johan reached out. Just wanted to share his impressions of ESL1 Cologne. Wanted to tell me how uh, emotional it was seeing Get Right on the mic, spitting it out of his tear ducts, no less. And uh, so I invited him to record a little piece for us. He has done so. It's amazing. So we're going to talk about ESL1 Cologne, and then we'll play that. That's his impressions from actually being at the tournament. Now, if you didn't catch ESL1 Cologne 2019, what were you doing? And also, listen up, because this is what happened. Liquid played a massive best of five grand final against Vitality. They won themselves $150,000. That's right, Liquid won it. And they also netted themselves a million dollars because they got the Grand Slam. The Intel Grand Slam, that's four events in the course of one year. I think it is four events, no, in the course of ten events. Is that right? I always forget the bloody... um, Criteria. Anyway, one of the little uh, tidbits that uh, GBG lined up for me to smash out of the park is that it took 260 days for Astralis to win their Grand Slam and seven tries. It took Astralis, it took Liquid, sorry, 60 days and four tries. So they basically did it in uh, consecutive events. And this has to be one of the fastest rockets to a dominating era I have seen in a while. Of course, these guys did come second for what basically seemed like the entirety of 2018, but they have ascended into the stratosphere so quickly. We'll get on to how dominant they looked in a second, and we'll cover the maps one by one. But before we do, we should just make a little mention about the MVP of this tournament. It was Zaiwu. He got the MVP despite Vitality going out second, and this was mostly due to the fact that he was an absolute monster during the entire tournament. He had a rating of 1.38. He only had a rating of 1.1 in the finals against Liquid, uh, which was a little bit of a disappointment for Zywoo fans, but still a bit of a monster. Um, And I think one of the craziest stats that came out of it too was that he had plus 132 kills over the course of the tournament, and yet every single other player in Vitality was minus. This despite the fact that along the way, Vitality took the scalps of teams of the caliber no less than Astralis and NRG. Uh, so these guys are definitely on the scene now. They're not <laughs> They're not just the sort of, um, I don't know, upstarts, perhaps, that um, maybe it seems like, well, no, I can't say that about Eds yet, but they didn't have a very good showing here. Let's just go through these maps one by one. Real nice and juicy and quick for the rundown. And we'll get on to Johan's impressions of what ESL1 Cologne was actually like. Map 1 was overpass. Vitality looked good on the CT side, but far too passive. They'd get crunched on the bomb sites with swarming CZs. Zywu actually missed quite a few AWP shots, actually, in this series. And I'd been watching him prior pretty closely. In fact, I even watched his demo on Mirage against NRG. From his entire POV and he basically didn't miss a single shot there here he missed several 
I was wondering whether it was because they were playing a bit safer because of how uh, aggressive Liquid had been playing recently and perhaps playing back more on site made him a little bit more out of spots because I think regularly... (coughs) Pardon me, usually he plays a little more aggressive around the bathrooms. Perhaps it was the nerves of the big stage, although Apex has come out recently and said that he doesn't get nervous, so... I don't know what was going on there. Liquid CT side, on the other hand, those guys were flanking and testing and pushing the whole time. Vitality never really got a proper execute happening. Never really were able to take advantage of a mid-round frag and switch up the bomb site that they were going to hit. It was a little more one-sided, I thought, here um, than it was going to be. We came onto Dust 2 after Liquid 1 overpass. And it did seem that perhaps Zaiwu kind of wasn't really used to playing teams as aggressive as liquid at the top level um and perhaps that could be said of every team actually at this tournament because liquid were by far the most aggressive team um and once again in dust two zywu wasn't the star player we were kind of hoping or expecting for vitality until he clashed it out in the final round uh and those guys did win this stewie 2k actually we should talk about here because it was his relentless aggression that seemingly Won them so many rounds in Dust 2, and yet I think was probably instrumental in allowing Vitality to close it out 1917 because it wasn't until the double overtime that Vitality <coughs> eventually came to their senses, decided to punish him for pushing, pushing upper tunnels on B, and uh, realized that B tunnels was open, uh, B site was open. And um, so, uh, you know, you know, this uh, this podcast is often the hand that uh, slaps Stewie 2K whilst caressing him. And once again, I think it needs to do the same because Stewie's obviously brought something to this team that they didn't have before he joined. Uh, a lot of confidence. And it's, it's his aggressive plays that so often seem to be getting information for the team. And I think at this level especially are quite surprising. You know, pushing B tunnels on your own with an AWP basically almost every round on the CT side in a grand final. (sighs) He's got some balls. We had Inferno as the third map. Uh, Liquid's Inferno is much better than Vitality's. RPK, however, proved that he's becoming one of the pistol players to watch. He won the first pistol round with yet another 3K. I think it was in maybe the match with Astralis where he got one. Vitality, certainly, as I said, weren't at the same level. Liquid dominated them on the CT side and had basically good enough BS acutes to take the T side. Zywu was actually the only one who stepped up on Vitality here. Alex had a very rough game. Map 4 was Mirage, and this came down to basically what seemed like aim duels. I think both teams were quite strong on this map, and it seemed like a succession of Liquid clutches from Naf and Elyse that finally closed them out and won Liquid the trophy in the million dollars. Now, as I said, I did watch one of Zywu's demos, and it is remarkable how similar to Simple his playstyle is, and I think it was perhaps before I watched it that Simple came out saying that Zywu is probably the closest in style to me uh, than any other player. And from what I recall, when I did watch the demo of Simple, it was on Mirage, and his playstyle was quite similar. And I think one of the things that I spoke about was how um, banal, actually, it seemed. It wasn't like he was always going for the flashy plays. He wasn't going for the flick, flicky orbs. But he also wasn't conservative. It was a very good mix of peaking, um, getting space. And when he was when he was holding an angle, it was quite often, and, and Zywu is the same, it's quite often halfway behind a wall. There was very, very, very few occasions where Zywu was holding an angle for any longer than a second without moving for starters, but also without being halfway covered be, between a wall. Um, now... One of the other takeaways from this, I think, is that uh, Ents have a lot of work to do. These guys were banged out. Um, Who were they banged out by? Vitality. Yeah. So they just haven't somehow kept up with what's been going on. And I think Alu came out and said in one of their interviews, I think it was with HLTV, that they just... They didn't know what was going on. They just weren't hitting their shots. I think whenever a team says, we don't know what was going on, 
the other team has anti-strated them hardcore or it's a mentality thing. But I think it's probably the former because one of the things he said was that um, Vitality... Was it Vitality or was it Astralis? One of the other teams that they faced that beat them said that um, we'd been anti-strating... Ensign knew exactly what they were going to do. I think him saying they did they weren't out of strata, they were just not hitting their shots seems like a bit of an ego talk. But who knows? Astralis obviously uh on still on that downward spiral. Phase lost to Mouse, Mouse Sports 2 Neil. That was their second consecutive loss. So it appears Neo hasn't really done much with that roster. Because Mouse Sports then went on to get crushed by Navi. So there's a lot of holes in that roster, and yet FaZe is not good enough to beat it. Um, Astralis? Uh, oh, no, Na'Vi, I guess, is one of the other big stories. We were kind of... It's been a while since they've played at a big tournament, actually, and this has obviously been the first tournament with Boomich. Now, Boomich was one of the players to absolutely frag out in the match in the uh, series that they lost to Liquid. I think he was one of the only positive players. So that's a very good sign for the future of Na'Vi. However... What does it mean for Simple and uh, Electronic? They kind of failed to show up as we expect. Uh, at least in at least in the match against Liquid, they did they did obviously do very well leading up to that point. Uh, NRG they lost to Team Liquid. Those guys, uh, the addition of Stan, I don't think that's ever going to take them above Liquid. Furia lost to Navi. Uh, <laughs> I think there was a lot of talk about the uh, five-year contracts at this tournament for Furia fans. Fnatic lost to Vitality. MIBR lost to Big. And uh, Big lost to Heroic. Now, one of the things that emerged as well was that Big are now being IGL'd by Tabson. This is one of the craziest storylines. Tabson's being groomed by Gob B to take over as the IGL. And so was IGLing at this tournament. Uh, it's unclear exactly why Gobby's done this. I think maybe Tabson mentioned that he wants to be looking to transition to a cult coaching role in the future or some sort of management position. So that's crazy that the Gobfather, perhaps at this point, well, it's not crazy. It's been a long time that he's been in the reins. And from what I could tell and hear and all the interviews he used to give, the amount of preparation and tactics and control that he exerted over the team was immense. And so it doesn't surprise me that at this point, perhaps uh, after <laughs> Smuya came and went, he's decided that enough's enough. Renegades lost to Furia. Those guys did not perform as we were perhaps hoping. As I said, Heroic had a pretty good run, but weren't better than Vitality. MVP, PK were knocked out of the park by Mouse Sports. Um, and of course, NIP, who actually did quite well. They took some scalps. I believe they took, who did they take down on the first map? Uh, the first best of one, I think it was MIBR. Well, they lost to Navi in the quarterfinal. So, you know, not a disrespectful, not an unrespectful, not a bad result. <laughs> I think they only got uh, single digits off Navi and were pretty firmly outclassed. Um, but as we're going to hear from Johan. For some bloody reason, everybody thought that Get Right was retiring at this event. I don't think there was anything in the press release from Ninjas in Pajamas, as reported on last episode, that said he was going to retire at Cologne. I don't know where the storyline came from, but after they lost to Na'Vi, OJ Borg, or the Juice as I like to call him, came out with his microphone, got Get Right on the mic, and was asking him whether this was it or not. Like, when was, when was that ever a question? I did not get it. Um, and the fact that basically within minutes there were all these videos on Reddit talking about the retirement of Get Right just struck me as a little bit weird. Forrest also thought it was a bit weird and came out later on and said it. Uh, but it was emotional. <sighs> you know I got emotional last episode, and so did listener Johan. Let's hear his impressions from ESL1 Cologne. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonas. I'm a 20 years old student from Germany. And this weekend I've been at the ESL One Cologne and I thought you may want to hear um, some first-hand information about the tournament from someone who's been at the event. So uh, that's the reason I'm talking to you right now. It's currently 3 a.m. in the morning on Monday, which means I just saw the grand final a few hours ago. And I can tell you it was really great. 
but uh, let's start with something else first. So many people are hyping up the ESO One Cologne, saying it should be a major again, and the crowd is so great. Um, and is it really that great? I've been there um, three years in a row since uh, 2017, and I can tell you it is great. But I've never been to another tournament or a major to uh, compare it to. So I guess I'm the wrong person to judge it. But I can tell you, it is a great tournament. The crowd is very emotional. They're loud. They're uh, cheering for their teams, even if they don't really have a team. Because um, in Germany, they're not very much successful CSGO teams. Obviously, last year it was big, winning against G2 and FaZe. Um, but yeah, you're used to cheer for other teams as a German CSGO fan. So, uh, yeah, surely. The crowd is great, they are emotional, and um, that's what I can say about that point. So, uh, what you can see on stream are the activities outside of the arena, outside of the games. Uh, outside of the arena there are big tents in which you can play CS yourself, you can play other games like Rocket League or FIFA, and you can meet uh, your pros, your Twitch, your favorite YouTubers, Twitch streamers, which is really great. They are there to take photos with you, and um, that is really cool. There are so many different activities sponsored by uh, MSI, PaySafeCard, stuff like that, where you can test your reaction time, which is really cool. Um, yeah, always stuff like that. Um, what I was curious about is why this year there were so many people from different countries. Because last year, when, uh, with big winning the semi-finals against FaZe and making it to the final. I thought this year so many more German fans would be here, but fans from all over the world came to Cologne this weekend, which was so great. I saw Australian guys, uh, people from France and Denmark and everywhere, uh, which was cool. I really like it and, and I think they feel like home there too, because all around the arena there are so many different restaurants, there are American sports bars, um, stuff like that where you can go after the match or even between matches get yourself a beer or some food because in the arena it's actually very expensive you gotta say um, but I guess that's normal uh, so yeah that's pretty cool many people from all around the world you can talk to they are also nice uh, yeah I like that one so let's talk about the games um, now the first match was Nip versus Navi and this was a very special one um, I myself am a Ninjas in Pajamas fan since 2014. I'm watching CSGO professionally. Um, well, I watch CSGO pros. I'm not watching it professionally. Uh, and um, yeah, I've always been a fan of Ninjas in Pajamas. Obviously, they lost in the quarterfinals, uh, which sucks. But I saw them um, losing against Cloud9 in 2017 as well. So I was like, I was used to it, <laughs> to see them losing when I'm at the arena. Um, but it wasn't really about winning the ESL, what was it? I think it was about all about Get Right this weekend. Everyone was curious if he would play uh, the Berlin Major. And um, I think all NIP fans were more sad about seeing Get Right crying on stage than actually being blown out of the tournament. And I can tell you, up in the stands, people were crying. They were so emotional. Everyone was so quiet in the arena when Gedray was talking and um, yeah, when he needed a break and when he was when he was yeah, shed a, when he shed a tear, everyone was screaming. They love Gedray. It was so emotional. You can really see how that guy influenced the whole scene and everyone had so much respect for him. And I think it's great that we will see him at one more major. And I hope that we will see him uh, even after that because. Uh, you could tell Plopsky was really nervous on stage. Uh, it was not his day, his aim wasn't on point, and it was his first time in front of a crowd and in front of, in, on a big stage. And uh, obviously that's not a big problem if you can't perform on your f uh, the first time. Um, but if he gets used to it, if he plays more frequently on stages in front of huge crowds, he can, get a game, he can be a game changer for Nip. That would be so great. Uh, having him and Rez as the young riflers, good aimers, um, game changers, then Lecro being a good in-game leader, I think he really is, 
Peter actually is a good coach. And then Forrest and Getright as the old guys leading the way, having the experience. I can see their team winning tournaments. I really do. And I hope so. I hope they will keep Getright even after the major. I hope Plopski will make it. I see a lot of potential there. And you can see that this, cons this kind of team can work. Like maybe like in Vitality. Vitality made it to the finals, even won a map against Liquid. Um, and they also have Apex and MBK. Which are from oh, and and RPK, yeah, actually RPK is slightly older <laughs> than the usual CS:GO player too. So they have the old experience guys, and they have uh, Zaiwu obviously being so young. I think he's 19 still or 20, and um, Alex also being young and having good aim. And um, the team just works so well together that there is a good potential for uh, Ninjas in Pajamas to get there as well. Uh, what can I say about The semifinals, nothing special actually. Well, Vitality beat Astralis, of course, which was great. I think it was well-deserved. Vitality was better than Astralis on that day. And uh, Liquid beat Na'Vi, which was not a big surprise, but it was a great game, I think. Simple and Neutronic were giving all they got, but it, was just, it wasn't just enough to stop Liquid right there. Yeah, and let's get to the final now. Uh, I think the pre-show of the final, this, this hype um, five minutes before the game started, was a bit weird this year. Um, I didn't. I don't know if you saw it. If you didn't, you should, and you should watch um, the one from last year. The I don't know the five-minute pre-show they did in front of in front of the final before the final. Um, it was so weird this year because last year it was like with with cellos and violins, and it was this cathedral, this orchestra. It was also heroic and legendary. And this year it was like two hip-hop guys performing on stage. I don't know, I'd, it, it wasn't bad, it was just weird, because nobody expected that. I think also in the Twitch chat, everyone seemed to be confused, didn't know how to react. In the arena, it was like, yeah, of course there was applause, but I don't know. I, I personally, I like hip-hop and rap, but yeah, there was, there was a bit off, I don't know. The final itself was great, it was a great series. Um, the crowd was there, they were cheering. And yeah, Liquid managed to win at the end and win the Intel Grand Slam, $1 million, that's pretty huge. And you gotta say, four tournaments, four wins, that is dominant and they are the best team in the world right now, I think so. Thorin, uh, Duncan Thorin Shields even said on Twitter that they may be a contestant of being one of the greatest teams of all time, which I don't think is true. Because when you look at Astralis the last year when they were so dominant, nobody seemed to could win anything against them. Obviously on Nuke, they were so dominant, winning 31 maps on LAN in a row. Yeah, but they were 2-0-ing everybody. Astralis was so dominant, they were winning it all. And now Liquid is winning it all, but that doesn't do it as dominant. Look at the group stage of ESL1 Cologne. They nearly lost to Na'Vi there, if Simple um, wouldn't have gone for the knife kill on Dust2. Um, then Na'Vi would maybe um, be in the semifinals. And Liquid losing against Ninjas in Pyjamas in the quarterfinals, maybe. Um, they, they don't look so dominant like Astralis did. They heavily rely on their aim duels and getting their headshots and tapping the enemies down, which they can do because they have a lot of raw aim and good skill. Um, but the team chemistry is, is a bit better, in, in, or was a bit better in Astralis. I think so. I think you can see that there are different kinds of teams. And uh, Astralis had the more dominant era. And sure, Liquid is just, a, just at the start and they will reach uh, much more. But right now, I wouldn't say they are a, contesta, a contestant for being one of the greatest teams of all time. In NA, definitely. Uh, but in general, I don't think so. Um, yeah, what can I say? Lastly, um, Colzera said he wanted to be benched from MIBR, which first seemed to be weird for me. Sounded weird because they were together so long with Fall and Fur and even Taco. Uh, obviously him being in Liquid for a short period of time. Uh, but yeah, he wants to be benched. And I think there could be something uh, going on with Face Clan actually. Nico tweeted or, or wrote a comment on Instagram. I'm not quite sure. Um, hashtag face up under his uh, picture, under Kulzara's picture. And I can see that. I can see a strong in-game leader in Neo, uh, great aimers in Nico and Colzera, and good orb in Guardian and the 
really good supporter in Olaf. I can see that lineup winning tournaments again. I hope so. I like Rain a lot. He's a good player, but he doesn't seem to be on world-class level aim-wise right now. And Coursera could change things up for FaZe if they really wanted to. That would be yeah exciting to see. Let's see how that works out. I think that's it for me. To sum it up, ESL 1 Cologne was a great tournament. Uh, if you're thinking about going there, you definitely should. It's so great. It, it's not that expensive actually it, you can get a ticket for for the whole weekend for like i don't know 40 or 50 dollars not quite sure i think it's 50 dollars or 45 euros something around that so you should try it out it's very cool and i'm not quite sure if i'm at the end of the podcast or right in the middle but yeah i'm just gonna say enjoy the podcast enjoy the game bye well uh johan did the transition <laughs> <laughs> from Cologne to the roster changes for me. That's nice of him. Um, I think all that I can probably add to the news about MIBR is that some of the speculation was uh, about Cold Zero going to phase was stirred up by a guy called Overdrive. That's the alias of a guy called Arkady Miznitsky, who apparently has paid top tier players to pay with it uh, to, to he's paid them to play with him before in the past he's apparently got ties to the inner sanctum uh, people like neo and has reported that cold zero will in fact be replacing neo on phase now one of the weirder things as well that's happened i think since johan recorded his little message is that kiyoshima a former teammate of nico's obviously from phase has come out and tweeted a picture <laughs> that Nico sent him apparently via his DMs of Nico and Coldzera browing it up in a pub from a few years ago obviously now what, what what's weird about this is that old mate Kiyoshima Fabian Fay one of the best bench players right now in fact if you could if you could make a um a little fantasy team right now of bench players. It would definitely be him. Cold Zero, obviously. Um, Sunny, Flusher. Bench players, I should say, players who are out in the wild. And then perhaps some... <laughs> Kevin Doolins as the... Uh, as the... Um, IGL. That'd be fun. Anyway. Well, what did he say? Yeah, so he put out this... He put out this picture. Now, this is a weird thing. Why would you put this out without sort of any input from Nico. It, it seems very weird, and I think there's only two explanations. One is that Fabian's just a really weird guy and published on his public Twitter what someone sent him privately. The second explanation is that he's gone and made this up, I guess, for some sort of attention or to stir up controversy. I don't know. Either one... Either either explanation does not look good for old mate Fabian. Kiyoshima, you're not doing yourself any favors, mate. You've um you've ha- you've been the bearer of uh, bad rumors from your behavior. What are you doing <laughs> publishing other people's private DM photos? Um, and if they're not even legitimate, what are you doing times nine, you weirdo? Uh, now, one of the other things, too, that's come out is that MIBR aren't going to play with Cold during the major. And Starletter, uh, obviously the organizers of the upcoming major, have said that, unfortunately, Zeus will not be able to play with the team. Zeus is, of course, the coach because Cold Zero simply not wanting to play with the team anymore does not constitute what they call an emergency. I would say... Uh, au contraire it probably is an emergency for the players themselves but obviously the definition of emergency applies more to things like cold zero's uh, head falling off or you know arms catching on fire um it's also come out that actually cold zero has stated on his instagram or someone's instagram or an instagram somewhere in the world at some point in time in the galaxy that he actually did want to play with mibr and they said get off get out of it piss off we don't want you here and fur in fact came out on his stream uh recently and said no he doesn't want to play with someone who doesn't want to be on the team 
So there you go. Obviously a bit of bad blood, a bit of trouble in paradise between uh, old mate Fernando and Marcello David. <sighs> what a lot of drama. Do I think he should be on phase? Uh, well, Johan gave his opinion. It'd be fun. Who would he replace? Perhaps Rain or Olaf would be a better move than Neo at this point. This team simply going back to the amorphous structure of a bunch of superstars doesn't seem like the solution. Obviously, Neo doesn't exactly seem like the solution at this point either. But um, Rain and Olaf have not really been showing up, and it appears their confidence has just sort of washed away with the gradual tides of time. Now, let's move on to some other roster news. Of course, the other big stuff since the last pod is that Cloud9 have announced their new roster. They have dragged themselves out of the pits of uh, roster craziness from the last better part of a year and have gone full NA. Well, actually, no, that's not true. As I say, and of course it's not true, they've added Mixwell, who is, of course, the Antonio Banderas of the Tier 1 scene. They've added Mixwell, Kuster, Tens, and uh, Daps. Of course, we knew he joined. And also James IRL, or James in real life. Now, this means that we have said goodbye to Golden from this team. He's on loan to Ninjas in Pajamas for the Major, obviously. Somehow landed on his feet despite this disaster of a run. Cajun Bees flapping in the Danish breeze again. Rush. Will Whisper is uh, licking his sores back at the gym, pumping some iron, wondering where he's going to go next. Vice, I think, uh, probably won't recover from this professionally because he didn't really have a good enough showing at Cloud9. And Valens has, as I think we reported before, moved back to the data analyst role and will be crunching the numbers and cooking the books once again from the digital sidelines. Um, Now, we should just kind of step aside one second and just remind everybody where Mixwell has come from and what he's been doing uh, since the last time he played with Daps, which was on Optic. If you recall, Daps plucked him from the obscurity of uh, middle European (laughs) Counter-Strike, brought him over to join Optic. Those guys did pretty well. The team dissolved somewhat and Mixwell was left in this giant house in the middle of, where was it, like Dallas or something? And I do recall a, like a, like a, like a meet my crib type thing with uh, Hector. Oh, pardon me. I'm recording this uh, podcast in bed because I just can't sit up. My spinal fluids have disintegrated, have eaten away at my spine. Um, And I'm currently a human jellyfish. Anyway, uh, yeah. Hector did a, a sort of a walkthrough of the house in Optic, and it was one of the saddest things I think I'd ever seen. In fact, I think it was before the Optic team arrived. It just seemed like basically Evil Dead, <laughs> like a cabin in the woods. It was massive. It was huge, but somehow the bigness of it made it even weirder. Like it was some sort of 70s um, porn empire owner's house. He, he built this sort of sort of uh, faux wood mansion in the middle of nowhere with like sunken fire pits and um you know like jacuzzis out in the snow and these five sort of nerdy gamers who didn't really know each other beforehand were all put out there in the middle of nowhere none of them had driver's licenses i think and so it was just a disaster mixwell was left i think living there for like two or three months by himself (laughs) Uh, no wonder he went to join um, or start actually his own Spanish team that was of course Movie Star Riders and actually when he joined Movie Star Riders I had a bit of fun at the expense at their expense purely because of their name I have since um, spent a little time in Spain of course licking up the sunshine in Cartagena, the home of Dali and one of the things that I did realize is that Movie Star is in fact one of the biggest telcos in Spain. It's basically like the, uh, um, what do you call them? T-Mobile, or you Yankees, or the uh, Telstra of Spain. And so it's actually quite a legitimate sponsorship for that team. They didn't really do anything of note uh, during his time there. And in fact, they have been replaced, or he has been replaced now on... Movie Star Riders by a player called Eastor. So it's good to see that Movie Star is still going. Spain, obviously, it seems like like Italy has a bit of a dearth of 
Counter-Strike players, considering where they are located in the midst of the frenzy of Counter-Strike that occurs on a daily basis in Europe. Now, Tens, if you don't know much about him, he previously played for Bad News Bears. And actually, we did see him stand in alongside FNS or Finesse with Lazarus for their qualification to the America's Minor. And one of the reasons he came out onto the radars for people like me who are perhaps not watching all of the games of the North American scene is that FNS tweeted out, get this boy a contract or something along those lines. Why Why doesn't he have one now? He is, of course, only 18 years old. They actually seem quite confident on the Cloud9 podcast. I think it's called The Nines. Uh, I only watched a little vod of it on YouTube afterwards. Um, yeah, yeah, quite preternaturally confident for a kid of his age when I was 18. I basically couldn't get a word out. Um, and uh, eye contact was anathema. But this guy seems like he, uh, he's he got a bit of Jew. Um, and in, in the uh, little podcast, it appears that Daps was the one who controlled the formation of this team. He put the pieces together, much like it appears, or much like the uh, story goes, he did with the original Optic lineup. So he chose Mixwell. He brought Mixwell back out of the uh, wastelands of probably Tier 3, I'd say, Spanish Counter-Strike. Mixwell seemed very happy to have been given another chance at the top. Cooster, of course, comes from Ghost. I don't think he was the best player on Ghost, but he was looking pretty solid. And he seemed like a pretty chill dude, pretty chill brah. Uh, Daps of course we know very well and James in real life now if James in real life or James IRL I'm not sure exactly what he wants to be called if he was responsible for any of the success of Ghost which was always a bit of a surprise to me but they did better than I thought they should have then uh, he's going to make a good addition to this team and uh, I don't know if Valens was exactly the kind of coach to hype up the players but if he's now on a purely data role then I think if you've got someone like James who is a little bit more vocal and passionate then this could be a good combo as well as the brains and preparation of Daps. I don't know whether these guys are going to show up immediately. Daps I think needs a little bit of time to you know hit his stride get everyone comfortable He's a pretty quietly spoken guy. Actually, one of the interesting things about this is that it appears that Automatic didn't quite have the amount of power that commentators uh, such as uh, Jarek Lucas, a.k.a. Jarek Lucas, Jarek Lewis. Jarek Lewis? Am I getting his name confused with Richard Lewis? Jarek, um, anyway, DK, the journalist, um, had... And it seemed like Daps was actually given the reins of assembling this team. Now, one of the things uh, that I didn't mention or didn't touch on really is that Rush, I think, was probably a little unfairly um, treated by the shambles that was Cloud9 over the last year. Well, not unfairly. You know, he was the master of his own destiny the whole time through. But as I've stated before, I think he's a bit of a soldier and probably rises to the level of the team around him. If he can find his feet in a in a in a better team, in a more structured team, in a more motivated team, I think we'll see him come back into prominence in the NA scene, should he so wish. Now, uh, that's pretty much it. Although I should mention one of the uh, fallouts of Tens joining Cloud Nine and leaving Lazarus is that Lazarus, who had qualified for the America's Minor, now cannot play. Because FNS, for some reason... In fact, I feel like this is like the second time in FNS's career. Maybe I'm getting confused with someone else. But he's decided he doesn't want to play the Miners with Lazarus. I don't know what he's got to do that could be better than that. Um, But that might be a bit rude of me. Maybe he's got lots of better things to do. Maybe he's visiting sick children in hospital. Who knows? Maybe he's plotting the downfall of... um, KNG yeah I don't know he's decided not to play with um, Lazarus and because Tens is not there they haven't been allowed to field two stand-ins for the minor it's apparently one too many players and so Luminosity are taking their spot and they are out of the minors completely of course they would usually be playing with Swag but Swag is banned from playing Valve matches don't uh fix matches kids let's move on to a bit more roster news gamer legion you know them because they are the home of scream and hs's hair i mean hs uh, and shortly after the announcing of the departure of dennis from ninjas in pajamas they piped up and said that they were kicking existence 
and we're bringing in Dennis. Now, there's two things that are interesting here. One is that I'm pretty sure existence was responsible for the formation of this team. So that's a little bit humiliating for Kevin Doolan or Kevin Doolans. Always forget whether it's a plural or not. Uh, many Doolans or single Doolan. Um, <laughs> these guys, I don't, I don't think they have an IGL anymore. And uh, I don't know why Dennis would go into a team only to IGL for them. So perhaps the writing's on the wall for this squad at this point. Dennis also obviously hasn't taken his loyalty with him because he's been tweeting out the last few days suggestions to MRBR that he might be a good stand-in <laughs> for the major. What a whore. Um, pardon me if you're listening to this in the car with your kids. Virtus Pro. Virtus Pro. Virtus Pro. Now, Virtus Pro actually won the Polish Invitational, the Polish Spring Invitational recently. They beat Aristocracy, so that's amazing news for them. And one of the reasons I believe they did it is because they replaced Ocalicious with a player called PHR or Fr. Or maybe it's actually the Polish Fur. Um, anyway, PHR comes from a go. He's done some good things with a go. They did uh, good things at the WSG last year and came third at Starladder Invitational Chong King last year. Ocalicious, uh, I didn't really know who he was, and he's only lasted there a few weeks. Those guys didn't do too well when he was on the team, so hopefully this is the missing piece for Virtus Pro, and we'll see Snacks on a stage very soon. Now, a little bit older news, or maybe it feels like older news just because <laughs> it happens every two or three months. I shouldn't laugh. This is a guy's life here. But Peacemaker, the coach of Heroic, has left Heroic. He's left a lot of teams uh, in the last year and a half, but he's left them under um, unclear circumstances. Although I believe it was an interview with, was it Blame F? Or maybe... um. I forget who it was. Anyway, he left just before Cologne started, which was very weird, one of the biggest tournaments of the year, and probably the biggest that Heroic are going to play, because I don't think they're in the major, are they? I don't think they're in the minor. I think they got knocked out. Um, anyway, there was intimations from one of the players that there was visa issues. Well, at this point, if Peacemaker's got ongoing visa issues, that's ridiculous. And if it's not visa issues, then he's obviously got ongoing personality or performance issues which is um a shame uh, it didn't seem to be a problem for heroic who actually put up a very good performance at cologne and i don't know if he's responsible for any of their success then good on them good on him i guess heroic have been coming seventh and eighth regularly for the last two or three weeks which actually considering the teams that have been at these tournaments is quite good and is probably putting them up to the rankings. I'm not sure what they are now. They'd probably be top 20 at least at, least at this point. Um, one of the last things we'll talk about in terms of the rosters is uh, closer to home. On the shores of the Antipodes, now we were talking last week about Chiefs, another Australian team that we don't talk about much anymore because they haven't really done much since they kind of exploded onto the scene at IEM Sydney 20... 20 was it 2017 now? I think it was 20... Maybe it was 2018. It was 2017. I don't know. Um, anyway, the team is, of course, Order. You know them for the uh, superstar players such as Hats, Alistair. Uh, now, those guys have replaced a player called Zef. He wasn't doing too well. And they got a little bit creamed in some recent results. I actually don't think they've done too badly in terms of their online results recently, but they've been losing the big games that mattered. And uh, they've replaced Seth with a young player called Matthew Hartrick. He goes by the in-game alias Valiance. He's 18 years old. And he previously comes from a team called Rewound. Water actually ranks 73rd. I don't know what they got coming up, but let's keep an eye out on them because they should be better than they are. Or at least they used to be better than they are now. Now, we're just going to just go across what's coming up really quickly um what's really coming up quickly that you'll be looking at is of course blast pro los angeles now the crazy thing about blast pro los angeles which starts in three days if, if you've been following reddit you know that they've changed venues uh, they, they they basically refunded a bunch of players a bunch of people's tickets and they change venues to a, a venue that's kind of like 
a quarter of the size of the previous one, and the ticket sales, the ticket prices went up by fourfold. Now I believe they've sold tickets once again to the people who purchased them at the same price. The idea here is that here is that they couldn't sell enough tickets, so they've downgraded the venue, and instead of I don't know, because the venue's smaller, they're promising now like a more intimate setting. And the guy who's the, whatever, the public face of um, Refresh, Nick Bobbier, I think his name is, has done a couple of interviews with HL TV where he's <laughs> talked in some sort of Orwellian doublespeak and they said, well, you know, can you tell us what's happening? And he's like, absolutely, I'll tell you exactly what's happening. In the next few days, we're going to tell everyone what's happening and we're going to have some announcements of what's happening. So it's very, very bizarre. But actually, I think it's quite, it's going to be quite cool and one of the things that Blast did when they kind of burst onto the scene was do things differently. I think the way they're going to be doing this, at least in terms of the scale of the venue, actually does feel like it's different. Of course, we saw uh, I Buy Power Masters recently have a much smaller scale event. That was an obvious shambles. I actually don't think the way the venue was laid out gave you any sort of um, different experience as a viewer online at all. But I think if they can do something with this interesting space, which appears to be in Koreatown in LA, I think I'm right, which is my old stomping grounds, then uh, then that's very cool. Nick actually did describe... <laughs> he described the ceiling of the venue, which I think is an old mattress factory or something, or an old furniture store, as... What did he describe it as? Like, wonderful or something? Or a breathtaking ceiling? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not paying whatever... What is it, $400 or something for the weekend for a Counter-Strike ticket for a wonderful ceiling oh no it's like a vent it's like a it's like a wonderful wooden ceiling (laughs) oh my god anyway one of the craziest things about blast la first off you know there is a positive as i said i think this can be something different they are doing best of three playoffs which is cool so it's not just a best of three final anymore we've got best of three playoffs but what is happening on the first day is that there's going to be 16 best of ones 16 that's crazy if anyone actually cares about watching these games, they're just going to have to, like, I don't know, I don't, how are you supposed to even, you know, what's going to happen is you've got, you're going to have, like, a quarter of, well, whoever's whoever's actually interested in the results of these of these teams, even the players, at even the, the spectators at the venue are just at some point going to end up looking at a scoreboard either on a screen at your venue or on their phones or on their computers at home. What that also means is that they're not engaged in your experience. They're probably looking at HLTV, a site that I don't think you have an affiliation with, apart from doing some very shoddy interviews with. So if this is supposed to be like a different live experience, I think it's it's a little bit questionable. Um, anyway, what this means is that each team will play five maps, in uh, LA and uh, we do have some great teams I have to admit and it's 250 grand <sighs> here are the teams we've got Liquid Phase Cloud9 of course that's going to be exciting with their new roster MIBR uh, I think Cold Zero is definitely playing with them that's for sure Renegades these guys actually could do something here considering the shambles those other teams are in and NRG I think if Liquid um, I don't know rest on their laurels at all NRG have the ability to upset actually you can never count out phase of these types of things if they come into this event just thinking we don't give a hell we don't give a crap we got nothing to prove then they could also take it away on the day now let's just move on to some general chit chat Now, one of the things that I talked about last week was a little bit of a um, run-in I had with the CEO of icon the australian company that took over chiefs and it's really due to the fact that i tweeted out some sort of cynical negative things about them flipping players like they were sydney real estate (laughs) uh it was kind of apropos of nothing um i think i was projecting something and actually you know what i was thinking about over the last week it really reminds me of the behavior that was exhibited by a certain redditor in my direction when I posted my episode about uh, Jordan Peterson. Now, he came out and accused me of being 
um, a red pillar and simply <laughs> talking talk using Counter Strike as a vehicle or a clickbait, uh, I, I guess topic um, to deliver my manosphere views into the world, uh, which I think is obviously completely nuts and unfounded. Um, but what I said at the time was that this guy's obviously a bit unhappy and has sort of pounced on me as some sort of conduit for however he was feeling. Now, I think probably the same thing happened with me and this icon story. What in actual fact happened is that I wasn't paying attention to everything that Icon was putting out, everything that Chiefs was putting out, and I found a little valve, a little opening, where I could channel some of my unhappiness. And one of the dangers that I think we have to be vigilant uh, about, or wary of, is that especially when it comes to the internet, there is so much widespread anonymity. And I don't just mean because people use avatars, but people are faceless. If we haven't met them in real life, they essentially have no, not even a, a symbolic face for us. Uh, and that allows us to project basically whatever we want on them. I obviously have some issues about <laughs> um, the, uh, well, a lot of things about Sydney in particular, uh, a lot of things about investment in Sydney investors in Sydney, short-term profits and short-term greed ruining parts of um, Sydney and New South Wales and Australian life that I value. And also some unhappiness about being back in Australia and not being in Europe, sipping Aperol spritzes in a uh, plaza in Rome or a terrace in Caracas, which uh, is understandable. Excuse the flex. Um, So I think, I guess, I don't know if I feel ashamed because I think I'm just a human being, as was the guy who decided to fling his own excrement at me via the uh, medium of Reddit. But I think what we need to do is, is almost, it's almost like you have to have a checking system on what you tweet, the same way you might have a checking system on writing a letter to say an ex, you know, where you you simply pour out some sort of bile that maybe doesn't even have anything to do with that ex. One of the things that I've been using recently in my mind to make a little bit more sense of social media, which just confuses the shit out of me, um, is thinking about it like a giant data mine for aliens. And and sorry, just before I... <laughs> just before I um, explain that what I mean about it, it confusing me is that I'm constantly drawn to it I'm constantly thinking about it I mean not constantly but you know what I mean like regularly um, I very rarely post much stuff and I've had a bit of a break recently during Cologne just I guess I just didn't want to make any decisions about it um, and yet there are so many negative feelings I have about it and I'm drawn to it like a moth to a flame. Anyway, so one of the ways I can, I've been thinking about it that makes me feel a little bit like I have more control is that one day it will be a huge data mine for aliens, whatever um, sort of extraterrestrial uh, archaeologist digs up part of this civilization. Or probably more likely, in fact, it's I guess it's really happening now, but at some point it'll simply be a dusty relic is that it will be a giant it will be a tiny 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 piece of a giant um, snapshot of humanity for some sort of AI that will be able to make so many connections about human beings and so many assumptions and, and learn so much about human beings from that data and I don't just mean Twitter I mean every single social media interaction that goes on, uh, that it'll basically be God and that it'll have a knowledge about human beings. And I've talked about this before, that vastly outstrips any sort of self-knowledge we've managed to accumulate over 
you know, centuries and centuries of philosophy and, and psychology. Um, and so that every little bit you do, even though it may feel very important to you, is just simply going to be a drop in basically a data bank of humanity. And that's been helping me get a little bit of perspective on it, not freak out so much about what I post and what I don't post and what photo I put on Instagram and what I don't and when I do it and what filter I put and what caption I put. I mean, who gives a fuck? At the end of the day, it is really just going to be a bunch of data for something to learn more about us. It is a bit like that um, Nietzsche multiple worlds theory. It can either be the most important thing or it can be the least important thing. And as far as I'm concerned right now, it may as well be the least important thing. Yeah. Now, um, one of the other things that happened is that I got a really, really lovely email from a listener called Jesse. Jesse was in touch when I did my Peterson podcast as well because he, 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 he. I guess one of the conclusions I came to from that episode was that if you really thought that Jordan Peterson made sense, and you also perhaps played a lot of Counter-Strike and, you know, you're out of school and whatever and whatever an age where it was time to start properly living your life, then you probably would stop playing Counter-Strike. Uh, and Jesse was, I guess he sounded a little bit distressed or unhappy because he, he kind of didn't want to, but at the same time he knew he had to stop playing. Uh, and he said, what do you think? Do you think I need to stop playing or do you think I should? And from memory, I think Jesse had already made up his mind in the question and had said he needed to stop. So that's basically what I said to Jesse. And I got this email from him a couple of days ago. I think it's worth sharing because we're all on this journey of working out whether or not we should be playing video games together, how much we should be playing of it, whether it's actually useful, whether having fun or at least fun having playing video games is useful at all. Jesse said to me, hey man, I just wanted to thank you for all the ways your podcast has helped me get out of an unproductive funk I was in for over a year. Since you addressed my message on your podcast a few months ago, I've quit playing CSGO entirely. I joined a band playing bass, guitar, and started playing disc golf again. Alongside that, I've been more active in my wife's life and my own. I'm not saying your words would well, what did it? But they definitely helped. And my life has become so much better since I quit playing video games. I just wanted to thank you again. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, he said, I'll try and check out your podcast again. But I think you really should do a self-care podcast where you discuss mental health. Uh, as I said to him in my response, I'm pretty sure I speak about variations on that almost every podcast. But maybe it is time to just do one giant wrap-up of wrap up of it all. You know, actually, I was thinking the other day when I was playing one of the things I said when I was talking about like the value of Counter-Strike is that actually in some ways it can be quite a good way to socialize. There's very little pressure in that you don't have a, you don't have to see anyone face to face and actually you're regularly cycling through new people if you're solo queuing or even if you're queuing with someone else. And so in that way, it's almost a little bit like a sort of a matchmaking uh, a matchmaking, like a speed dating process where you actually get a lot of experience with different people. And one of the things as well that I found quite interesting and I've remembered, uh, I, I remembered going back to it recently <clears throat> doing matchmaking is that you very, you get a sense of like how trusting you are and how willing you are to be yourself first. Because one of the things that I sometimes do is just not say anything because I really don't want to get shot down. I think we've all had the experience where we go, Hey guys, anyone got a mic or hey guys who wants to play what site and then someone tells you to shut the hell up <laughs> or make some really horrible cynical remark happens a whole lot less now with trust factor but um we've all had it and so sometimes i found myself just being silent until someone else says something really friendly then i breathe a sigh of relief and respond in kind so i think it is kind of a an interesting way to learn about how trusting you are to put yourself out there um, and perhaps if you want to want to increase or improve or maybe make yourself a little bit more confident, increase or improve that side of you that puts your, 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 you know, your own foot forward first uh, and represents who you are truthfully first, then you could use matchmaking as a way to say, 
I'm going to be the first one to be friendly and see what happens. And if I get shot down, then I get shot down. Um, anyway, it doesn't have much to do with what Jesse said. That's so awesome that he's uh, found some wonderful things. If you are, if you want to get to where Jesse's at, I recommend um, R Stop Gaming. Of course, I'm recommending it tongue-in-cheek because it's uh, Reddit, and after all, Reddit can be as addictive as anything. But if you're a regular Reddit uh, browser, and I think a lot of listeners to this podcast are, you check out R Stop Gaming because they've always got stories similar to Jesse's where people have discovered the wonderful gardens of life that are behind the doors of computer games. So, yeah, check it out. I think that's basically it. I feel like there was some more news and I've forgotten what it is, but maybe we should just... uh, I don't know, end it here. There, we do have the uh, American miners and the European miners coming up in six and seven days. So once Blast is done, maybe we'll uh, do it on the pot after that or maybe we'll just wait for the miners. Anyway, we had the news this week by Gabby G. I don't think I... I think I got it. Got to it too fast to get any input from Liam or Glenn. Glenn's gone away. So perhaps next week we'll have a bit from Liam. In the meantime... Oh, no, we also had music from Beaufort. And of course, thanks to Johan, our uh, German correspondent, <laughs> our German editor at large on the ground. Thanks for your segment. All right, until next time, enjoy the game. <laughs> <laughs>